0: And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio
1: is live from the bunker.
2: Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, it looks like maybe the gremlins are going to cooperate. We are live from the bunker. Welcome, everyone. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me.com. And we're glad you're with us. We are broadcasting live to uh, YouTube, Odyssey, and Facebook, at least for now. We also, this show and the H2O podcast, both available in podcast form on a number of different platforms, so if you prefer to listen while you do other things like uh, walk on the treadmill or vacuum the living room or whatnot, you can do that too. Busy, 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 busy week. And uh, th- this is this is one of those things where the news cycle comes in and it's good to have the people who actually know what they're talking about talking about it because, you know, I I can only go so far. So we bring in the experts, people who know more than I do. And we'll bring them in here. Writer-producer Cameron Pasha, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore Paul Daguerrebedian. And PR expert, president of Herald PR, Judy Ingelmeyer. All three have been guests before. Glad to have you all back. Welcome, gentlemen.
1: Great to be here. Thank you. And, an nice and happy New Year to your to your to you and to, and to your to your uh, audience.
2: And to you and and hopefully everybody had a good holiday. I think everybody's still relatively healthy. We're all we all still have all yeah. our fingers and toes, and nobody shot their eye out with a rider gun, red rider BB gun, huh? That's right. Uh, All right, so the big news of the week. Uh, We have uh, this uh, headline from Deadline. I haven't finished finished setting up all of my pictures yet, but this headline from Deadline. Disney CEO Bob Chapek lays out 2022 priorities in New Year's Note to employees. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I should probably uh, let people know the memo that Bob Chapek sent out to staff, I actually got myself because uh, in my freelance work, I occasionally will get called for, you know, the local hire where I come in, the local guys come in to supplement the national network people for stuff like ESPN coverage of college football or, or basketball tournaments, that kind of thing. So technically... Somebody over there considers me a Walt Disney Company employee. So I actually got the full memo from Bob Chapek. And a lot of people are focused on these three pillars of his new corporate strategy. And I know we're going to talk about that in in greater detail. But the the actual whole of the letter, uh, I put it over here in a... In a word document, so I can increase the font size and see it better. But it's you know the beginning of this is Cameron. You've used the word pablum uh, on occasion with all of this stuff, but the beginning of this letter, it talks about getting through the pandemic. We're going to come out stronger than ever. You know we're we're still telling all of these stories, grateful for what Bob Iger has done because Bob Iger is now gone. And, you know, he brings in the, the company's 100th anniversary and we're going to do a new 100 years. So he's basically setting the table for what's coming next. And what's coming next is what has everybody abuzz. Is these, mm-hmm. these three things, these three...
1: Pillars. How would you... I mean, pillars I mean, is such an amazing word to use. It pillars. is. Like I, I said, pillars is an archetypal... Uh, you know, it's an image. Uh, and, you know, I, look, I'm a Muslim. We have five pillars of Islam, which are the center of the religion, right? And use of pillars as an, as an archetypal image goes back to the Greeks and the Romans. Obviously, we invented Corinthian pillars and all these things. You know, the idea of pillars is, this isn't just principles he's laying out. Yeah. You know, these ones are philosophies that are important to us. These are the things that are holding the house up and the roof up. And if one of these pillars goes down, the whole thing crashes down. It's a very specific choice of words for him to use here.
2: Is is this as as much as the the trades are looking at this? Is this letter though one of the things? Because Judah, you and I were talking about it at, at, right at the at the uh, right before the show started. Your t- your takeaway from this is not that not that this is very much earth shattering the way everybody else seems to be reacting to it. You didn't see very much here that's that's a hard hitting. This is a change of the paradigm type of thing. Well or do it's I have that very,
0: it's, it's very weak in information. It's you know the three pillars that he mentions, but two of the pillars are virtually the same. One is storytelling, one is how we tell the story. Um, but it's still storytelling in a sense. And the third is the focus on on on, on their on their key audience. So I mean, how's that different than when a company starts? The company has to first have a story and tell a story right no matter what it's selling. And they have to focus on their key stakeholders. So he's just saying we're going to continue doing that. We're just going to do it better, and we're going to. And then he, you know, he, from my perspective, he this is this this letter could have been a lot shorter, but he used a lot of industry buzz terms, a lot of Disney magic and creativity in here, and and uh, and then he focused on you know on the words that people like me like to use, you know, franchise ecosystem. What the hell does that even mean? You know, it's just, just saying, you know, well, what are, what, what our is about? It's, it used to be just an about page on a, on a, on a website. Now it's the franchise ecosystem, um, which essentially means the same thing. It's, 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 it's a lot of, it's a lot of extra words to make it sound more exciting to make it more interesting. And yeah, he's laying out the foundation that they're going to focus on telling greater stories and using the metaverse to tell those stories better and differently but I don't think he said anything specific there's nothing in here
1: well, I think I, I I would actually have a different perspective if I may you know. okay. Judah. so I'm going to give a perspective on this on why I think this is actually a monumental memo uh you know I worked at Disney I got fired from Disney when I was in Tron so I've, I've seen the internal politics of Disney uh, I used to be the head of Tron uh, uh, Uprising which you all can watch on Disney Plus now and at least the first app that I wrote but the specifics that I found in there that I had not seen before there are two things that shook me up one is in the third pillar, when he's talking about the audience, says, you're right. That's why I mentioned Pabulum. It's standard Pabulum to say we need to support our consumer and our audience. Standard, standard stuff. What's interesting is then he adds a thing: not work against them. I've never seen that phrase before because it's generally understood that you're not going to work against the audience unless you have a company in which there are people who are being motivated by agendas that are separate from the audience. And that's been the critique that the fan base has had since. You know since we've seen the, the last Jedi and you know, five or six years of the kind of stuff that, that Disney has produced which has not necessarily been what the audience wanted and but they seems to be serving ideological purposes of some people inside the system to actually make a statement we're n- going to not work against the audience uh, means that he's telling people stop doing that which right. has been the major complaint of the fandom I would suggest, that that section of that memo was meant for the audience to hear, for the angry people on YouTube that have been grumbling and creating problems for him on PR levels that, you know, you don't care about what the audience says. He's silencing, or he's telling people, from now on, we are actually not going to work against him. So if you think you, it's more important to have XYZ representation than, stu- than what the audience wants, guess what the audience w- wants is going to trump that. So that's right. the first thing. And the second thing that I'd love for the panel to talk about that I have never seen before, in Hollywood, and I understand, uh, you know, it's it's in other industries is 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 not uncommon. But I've never seen this. In it, is in that first section talks about creativity, where he says he's going to essentially have a monthly meeting of uh, uh of all the studio heads together to discuss their story plans. I haven't seen that. That's basically you, you know Kathleen Kennedy, Kevin Feige, the head the head of all these different studios coming in. And sitting there with Alan Bergman and with with him saying, all right, what's your plan? What's your story, right? What what are you doing with Marvel? And I think that in that moment, you're not just pitching. You're pitching the boss, which is the problem, right? Okay? <laughs> Normally, studio CEOs aren't coming in monthly telling me what your story is, right? The second thing is you're now actually pitching your ideas to your rivals inside the company.
0: So, Cameron, I, I would tell you that you're right on, on, on some of that. But I don't know if he's saying that he's going to be sitting on those meetings every day. He said he's creating, he's establishing a new monthly meetings. He didn't say he's necessarily sitting in on them. He might sit on some of them, but I don't know how. I don't, you know, you know the, the Hollywood industry a bit better. I think Cameron is he frozen?
2: Oh, looks like he is.
0: Yeah. Um, so, I, 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 from my perspective, I think that most publicly traded companies do have their senior department heads come together on a monthly basis and talk about what they're doing and how they're going to, you know, innovate and how they're going to produce for the next, next couple of months. Uh, I think that's standard material. I don't, in Hollywood, if it's not standard material, tell me, I, 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 I've worked with Hollywood sites before, and I think that they do have planning meetings all the time. Um, but, you you know, Judah, I, I actually agree with both
3: of you. I think it's monumental and not monumental at the same time. I think we're really just being, we're privy now to these internal to this internal memo for things that probably are going on anyway. I mean, of course, they're having meetings, of course, focus on the audience. Of course, you know, don't work against the audience and all those great things. But I think obviously uh, without the pandemic, I don't know that we'd be seeing this right now. You know, I think this is all the result of the acceleration of all kinds of different business models that came into play once the pandemic hit. And of course, Disney very famously uh, started putting much of their content, uh, Black Widow, of course, on streaming and in the movie theater at the same time, Jungle Cruise as well. And then there was a shift where Chapek said, we're gonna really devote these movies to the movie theater. But I think, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he reserved the right to change his mind at any time, which is great. When you're a CEO of a major corporation, you have that ability, right? right? So I think it's really interesting to see how The pandemic has accelerated so many of these, I think, internal discussions at companies like Disney, and let's face it, Disney with Pixar, Marvel, uh, Lucasfilm, I mean, all, you know, Walt Disney feature animation with all the great brands they bring to bear, it kind of makes sense to bring everybody into that meeting, that virtual meeting, because you don't necessarily want everybody working on a different wavelength, even though Pixar, who knows if Pixar will ever have some sort of more do- dovetailing into Lucasfilm or whatever. I think they're right. reserving the right to do whatever they want. They have this right. giant toy box with the best toys ever. And Chapek is saying, we have to be consumer focused. We have to be focused on our filmmakers and the creatives. And I think that's really smart. I'd love to have Cameron back because I really want to get his his right. take. And, and it's just really interesting, but I, I kind of see both things. It's monumental, but in a way it's not because I think these are things that most companies are doing or should be doing, just not necessarily publicly out there in a memo uh, in the press.
0: So I, I think to, to your point, it's monumental in the sense where he's making the statements. He's he's telling us what people in industries know is standard, but I think he's making a point of letting his, both consumers know, but also letting his internal, letting the internal people who have been fighting with each other know that maybe he's gonna be looking into this a bit deeper.
3: Yeah, and Cameron, um, I was just agreeing with, with both you and Judith, (laughs) in terms of it being monumental but also in a way to me not because some of it sounds like standard operating procedure that you'd want to bring all the different elements of your company together have a like a a unified vision for the future of the company and also with an eye towards what does the consumer want we don't want to work against the audience we want to give deliver what they want so that's, that's what I was saying, oh, uh, yeah. just a
1: minute. Well, it, it's my, and I apologize, my, my computer's been freezing up. Oh, no course. worries, we, we both, missed you. <laughs> we, but, but you know, look, these are all important points. I would only suggest that the reason that it's monumental is that Disney has been mismanaged for several years. Right, you know right. The very fact that you've been making large scale blockbusters that the audience doesn't want and keep cranking more of them out, right? Spending more and more money on things that the audience keeps giving feedback well, this is not the kind of stars we want this isn't the direction we want mcu yeah. and you keep doing it means there's an internal communication problem and
3: by it's the good. way there's a there's a great way to find out what the audience wants it's called twitter i mean basically <laughs> through well social i would suggest
1: the twitter
3: is filled with a mob well <laughs> you know what though there there are some gems in there right i mean so you're gonna get a lot of mob mentality you're gonna get a lot of stuff that you should just dismiss out of hand but you know uh, studios used to pay a lot for market research and all that. Well, you get it for free on Twitter now. Sometimes you get what you pay for, but I think there there are some good gems there to be gleaned from what the audience is saying. Again, not mob rule. It shouldn't just be based on that. But there are some. Uh, there are ways to get that kind of information. Well, on but, but then, media. But then
1: the, the the then we do the comparison, which has not been done. Which is the Twitter mob said. You know, the Twi- Twitter mob said. Uh, and not necessarily with about Disney, we talk about other companies, but Twitter right. mob said that uh, Birds of Prey was going to be a massive hit because it was a female just without, the, the only thing being, it's got right. a female-oriented story, and people didn't buy the tickets. And yep. you see all these Twitter mobs saying, you know, with 100,000 likes, and people saying, I'm going to go, we're going to go support this movie, and they didn't do it. So at the end of the day, the, the final thing is what is actually happening with the tickets and the viewership, which has not been happening for Disney. And the only thing I, I'll add to this structural thing about why it's, Important for Disney right now, whether Chapex hits those videos or not, you have these people. You know, there's a lot of bad ideas in Disney right now that we've seen. You know, in Star Wars, we had this, this flying rock, right? That's not a good character. This Geo character that, that's in the High <laughs> Republic, it's not a good character. Have a rock as a Star Wars character, right? And if you pitch that, if you're Kathleen Kennedy, and you pitch that with your rival studio heads who are trying to get your money and resources from inside the company, and you say, well, we're planning to do a sh- a, a series of comics and stories about this ship called The Ship, which is navigated by uh, essentially a sentient rock, and you watch you watch your rival snicker and say, "I don't know if that's going to work, right?" You know that's embarrassing, humiliating. You got to bring your A game if you're sitting in meetings like that. And the problem is they haven't been having these. so nobody's doing an A game. They're having internal f- from they're having internal echo chambers you know within marvel within lucasfilm within pixar and they're not and under either that no one was challenging each other this is 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 good
3: then right i mean it's great that they're doing this i agree get together talk it out you know it could be us right now if we ran a studio and we would all with jason kind of leading the charge we would (laughs) all get together and discuss it's good to have that kind of dialogue as long as it is you know not just uh, yes people just saying okay whatever then going back and do it doing whatever they want I think it'll be interesting to see if this bears fruit down the road, this new strategy, so to speak. And then
0: again, also, guys, there's also yeah. the issue that, that this could all, you know, It's it, to some degree, it's a feel-good type of memo, because realistically, Disney's a behemoth. It's a big company with so many different, so, with so many different tentacles going on. And, you know, the Star Wars crowd... Might not be the same crowd as the Disney princess's crowd, you know, and they have to appeal to both of those sides. And they're not going to get together and have a Disney princess on a Star Wars ship. It's, you know, so well, but, so but the I, problem is I, they've
1: been doing stuff like that. They've been appealing to wrong crowds, right? They're saying a crowd that we think wants this will want this in the MCU when it doesn't. And now, that's because they're not having any internal challenging to their to the narratives. and so that's why that's the fundamental communication problem internally.
2: Let me ask about this, because Mazuris makes an interesting point here. Chapik, with his memo, trying to bring a level of transparency that Iger probably wouldn't have done. I, I from the from the PR standpoint, from the internal Hollywood Disney politics standpoint, how how much would this possibly be? Factored into some of this, where Chepek is sitting there, and and Cameron, you've pointed out the fact that now we know his contract is up in a, a little over a year. Mm-hmm. He's got a limited time to do this. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's slash and burn time. He's bringing in other people who don't have uh, uh, Hollywood entertainment chops necessarily. You've got you know Horacio Guti- Gutierrez, who's coming from Spotify, uh, mm-hmm. and it it seems like this memo given that it was put out there for all of the trades to see how much of this is for public consumption and how much of this is for the people on the outside looking in because the the target the target market for those kind of discussions is different because a fan takeaway is going to be different than your internal uh, your internal C-suite takeaway?
0: I I would think he was it was filled with with uh, first of all very vague points as to what he's actually going to do, um, but I think that I think what he's trying to do is put in little code words that appeal to you know that that let internals know he's going to be he's going to be weighing in on it, and he's also trying to let the audiences know. That he understands some of their grief and wants to want, yeah. and want and wants to focus on that too, absolutely.
3: Um, and the shareholders as well,
0: right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the shareholders, I think are as much as he doesn't say it, they're probably the most important audience for them. And, I mean, the and, and there, there's
1: a reference to other stakeholders. He says very early right. on, "We have other stakeholders." You know, I fully agree with you, gentlemen. I, I think this is a mixed audience for this memo. I think it is internal. I think he is laying down certain laws of, look, this is what I want to do now that I don't have Iger reading down my neck, and I do want to impact this culture, because I do think that Disney culture has been damaged. I mean, it was damaged when I was there uh, 10 years ago, but it's been damaged in new ways. You know, one of the things that I wrote about on my Patreon recently is I have friends of mine who are writers who are telling me what's happening on some of the Marvel shows that didn't happen when I was there at Disney, which is, you know, that what's apparently happening on the Marvel MCU TV shows like Hawkeye and Loki is that it's not just a group of writers coming in and then pitching the executives. Uh, Kevin, Kevin uh feige has essentially a commissar an executive in the room essentially serving as uber showrunner on top of that the ostensible reason being that want to make sure that the writers don't do something that's conflicting with a secret plan they've got for for black panther and other stuff this is a big franchise right but the practical result that my friends were telling me because several of their friends had resigned from mcu shows saying that the end result was you had somebody sitting there who wasn't a writer saying you can't do that i don't really like where you're going with that representation so you're having censorship uh, within the room from an executive who's not trained to be a writer. And that's causing real tensions. That wasn't how Disney was run in television when I was there 10 years ago on *Prawn Uprising. The executives, were, we were there in the Disney office, the executives were literally down the hall. But they didn't come in and sit in on our writers' group meetings. We would present, we would come together, we, and then we would present to them, this is what, what we think the episode is, and then they would tear it apart with us. That's fine. But to have them sitting there like, you know, I, I don't know if that's what we want to do. You know, it just stifles the writers, makes them afraid because the boss is sitting in the well, room. Karen,
3: I think you make a great point because having the boss in the room is great at when you're at the end. Yeah. Not like when you're trying, it's like playing music. You're always reticent to play in front of other people mm-hmm. that are outside of your band. <laughs> like you'll, you know, with, you have to be around people you trust. You'd be ultimately creative. And, it, and if you don't, if you feel constrained or uptight or fearful, because the the big is in the room, I don't know that that's great for creativity. It, just in any endeavor, not just uh, movies, TV, but music and art and all kinds of different endeavors like that, creative endeavors. Well, and then there also there has to be a gatekeeper too, of course. But and there has to be someone who's writing the checks, and you have to. honor Where do they them come going. into the process? That's the
0: yeah.
2: question. But that you also go, go ahead, there's Jim. There's a new
0: aspect of, of of oversight too today, which is not the writer or the creative, but people who are the the, the social watchers who are trying to see what's socially acceptable today. Yes. And and you know, you, you know, you, you don't know what's necessarily gonna jive. You know, you, you put on you, you put on a show and, and you, you write a script and you have characters and you're doing it because you feel it and you believe it and you think it's a great story. Then you have some guy who's not that or some woman who's not that or and they're saying, well that's not gonna fly today. You're gonna get canceled. You're gonna get this. You're insulting this person, that person, that group or this group and that can that can completely destroy. And every every studio is doing that too. They're they're they're, they're getting involved in the right. They're getting right right up right up in the craw of the writers, because they they don't have the artistic experience, but they think they they know they have the pulse of. What today's people? Art by art by committee is never great. I mean, it's it's a it's a huge fail. It's
3: a huge fail. You know that. I mean, look at the movies from the seventies that probably would have never been made if if you tried to pitch those today.
0: I mean, Mel Brooks, Mel how. How can we
3: do
1: You can't do blazing shadows today. Oh no, no, no way. Yeah. Well, no and that
2: way. and that comes comes to a point. Uh, uh, Barry Weiss's yeah. uh, 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 Substack, where she's got a guest yes. article from. Uh, I can't remember the names right off the top of my head, but they're talking about this very thing, this climate in Hollywood, this climate of fear and paranoia, where we can't get the writers we want because they don't check particular boxes, and. You know, fans have been complaining about this kind of thing for a number of years now where, you know, you're you're injecting too much politics into things. You you just just tell me a story. Just tell me a good story that entertains me. And I don't care. I don't care the 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 gender, or ethnicity or anything of anybody that's putting this thing together. Just tell me a good story.
3: And Jason, we talked about this the last time I was on with you that. Yeah. If it's organic and authentic, it's probably going to be good. And by organic and authentic, I mean, you're not thinking about who you're going to upset or what right. will the boss think or whatever. I mean, that can happen down the road. Just let me create. Yeah. And then and look, you know, they'll fix it in editing. They always say, but I mean, you've got to hope that creatives are allowed to be creative and let the audience decide if they don't like something, they don't have to watch it. They could turn it off or tell their friends not to watch it, but to have that stifling thing where, It it even is like if your boss is watching, even if your boss is just one person, but your boss could be the group or it could be the world. So that becomes very, I think, intimidating as a creative.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, you saw you see with the Golden Globes, everyone's upset again because they don't have enough representation of this group, that group, this gender, that gender. And now people don't like the Golden Globes, but the Golden Globes came out with, you know, and they, they awarded whatever, whatever, whoever they thought needed to be awarded. And it wasn't acceptable to. Media who called him out, saying you're still not representative of the world. But like, I you're think just saying, had a
1: transgender uh, actress won something, and so even that wasn't enough. And so uh, your gentlemen are hitting the, the pivotal issue because that memo came out yesterday, and within an hour it was all over town, right? Uh, I mean, I oh, that article came out yesterday, uh, and the subset of the article, and I went to writers' boards, and it was the talk of everyone saying because we've been having those conversations. Uh, you know, I've actually been on screenwriters' boards the last month, where for the first time I started seeing white writers saying, "Man, I, ca- I can't get hired." And I can't pay my bills and people are And my agent telling me it's because you're a white male. I mean, it's as blunt as that. Right. And but it doesn't help. I'm a minority. I'm a brown Pakistani Muslim guy. It doesn't help me either, because as other showrunners on that board were saying, look, because I I submit a script, it's got a black lead. The execs are telling me you're a white man. You can't write a black lead. It's like, all right, I guess I'll make it a white lead. And so the minority character is gone, right? Yeah, because right. you're telling me I can't write black people. I can't write a Muslim guy. Well, I'm not going to write him then. So now right. guess what? The whole show is a bunch of white people. Is that what you wanted? Well, I think helping nobody,
0: I think just like, I'm going to say something very polit- imp- political right now, just like <laughs> coronavirus, no one knows how to handle it. Nobody knows how to handle this, 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 this new era of social acceptance and, 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 and equity and equality. Because everyone, you know, you can't have everything from everybody all the time. You can't, you know, I don't know if anyone watched South Park ever, but they had a new pro for the post-pandemic episode. Um... Which was a you know a spoof on it, and, you, and only cartoon characters can get away with saying the things that that uh, that these guys say. And they have one of the one one of the one of the regulars on South Park is now older, 20 years old, and he's a comedian. And every one of his jokes is, "What's the difference between a lesbian a lesbian gay per gay woman and a and a rabbi? Nothing. They're all great people, and everyone laughs. That's <laughs> that's the new joke now. You can't say anything bad about anybody. But it's it's, and it's a for,
1: like, it's forced laughter because that's not actually a funny joke. So it's a yeah, forced not, laughter, no, it's, right? it's, yeah. yeah, It's forced yeah. Riot, right. It's it's that moment if you remember remember the br- brilliant, brilliant uh, miniseries V, when we were kids in the eighties, right? Uh, and so there's that moment when they're uh, they've got the uh, the aliens giving you know doing a, a national you know press conference, and everyone applauses, and you pan down, and they all have laser guns pointed at the audience, right? Right. Applause. Right. Like, right. That's yeah. where we are.
0: Yeah. Well, you and know, I think what, so. that's where exactly. That, but but that's we're, we're in this era now where it's you know it, it, we we know it's like people we know it's a joke, we know it's laughable. But the the executives don't want to cross any lines or piss anybody off, so they don't know what to do.
3: And think about it too. We're kind of in the early stages of this. I think there will become hopefully a time where there'll be an equilibrium where everyone will kind of figure out how to make this work without it being stifling to the creative process. I mean, if you try to be all things to everyone in every piece of content, you're gonna get, you know, just plain just plain stuff, nothing really nuanced or, innovative or creative. So you don't want to stifle that creativity. But I think there are things that have needed to be done. And obviously there's, there's a desire for that by the audience, but again, make it organic and real and come from a good place. Let the creatives do their job. And, you know, censorship is never a good thing in any form. I feel, you know, in the creative world. And uh, so I think we're just going to learn over time. Things are going to be different in five years than they are right now. We'll be having a different discussion and we're all kind of on a learning curve, all yeah. of us.
0: Well, uh, so it's very interesting
3: think. how that's filtering into companies, into create. And, and remember, no matter what you're creating, if you're a creative, the outside world is informing what you do. So if there's yeah. a big cataclysmic event, if there is a, a great event, if there's something wonderful that happens, it's gonna seep into the culture, it's gonna seep into all those creatives who are writing. So all this is gonna manifest, it may take some time, and, and manifests itself in different types of creative works with different points of view. To me, that's a good thing over the long haul. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we're, in, we're living in this right now.
1: Well, and and I would add to that that I think that this is this is a moment. I'm going to be political here myself, but this is a moment sort of like the Salem witch trials. We're in a moment that's of of, of a of a cultural moment that is not sustainable. Where you know, or or, or such as the, or the Red Scare in the in the 50s and the 60s. It's just not sustainable. We're at a moment where a generation thinks that a way of approaching the world is how it's going to be forever, and it's just it's a lot of these young kids, having been a young kid in college myself once, were coming out and thinking that you know the discussions they had in philosophy class is how the world works. And then they get in there and, and then, you know, they get fired and from their first job and they learn how the world works. And right. that's part of the conversation in that article that came out on Barry Weiss's Substack, which is that you're now hiring all these people to serve various what you think are social needs. And they're not performing because that's they're right. not there. And this is exactly what Malcolm X warned about. Malcolm X was very much against any kind of quota-based hiring system uh, because he said that this will lead to uh, people hiring, you know, Black people, minorities, not because of their talent, but because of their race, and then they'll specifically hire people that will fail in those positions, so they can continue to say, "I guess black people can't 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 live up to the standard," right? And so it's it's this horrible cycle that actually hurts minorities. Uh, and so we're going to go through this period. It's not sustainable because it's not natural. These aren't. We can get to a place of human respect, which I think the intention behind the woke woke conversation, but. It's not done for a place of any wisdom or understanding of human nature. So and so we'll get we're beginning to pull and remember too, we're talking about if you're in your
3: home and you're having this discussion privately, that's a whole different thing. When you're in a a publicly traded company and you're trying to do the create movies and television and all all this content, you are really under scrutiny. It's not like you could just do something without people paying attention. So the big companies are also under scrutiny as to what they're doing, but at least they're aware of it. It's just a, how does that play out in the real world and how does that manifest itself in the content? What does those creative works look like moving forward?
2: Right. right. And let's, and let's put a pin right there because I want to come back to that and, and focus a little bit more on these monthly creative meetings. Cause I think, I think there's something there the the potential for, really good things to come out and the potential for things to go sideways really quickly there so we'll pick that up uh right after this we are talking with judah engelmeyer paul de garabedian and cameron pasha and we'll be back right after this stay tuned this is sci-fi for me radio that's a really good question (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. That's a good question. That's a good question. But that's a really good question. That's a great question. When you need to know,
0: count on Sci-Fi For Me to be there asking all of the questions. That's been a question I've been asking myself quite a lot.
2: That's a tough question. This is a rough question. That is a, that, that is a deep question.
1: Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi For Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009.
2: Foreign Bodies Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back live from the bunker. At least, at least we got through half before we started getting uh, getting internet issues. Uh, it, it's holding. It's holding. We'll see. Spectrum's coming out this afternoon to double check the line. So, uh, welcome everybody. Thanks very much for being here. We are live and talking about the memo from Bob Chapek to staff of the Walt Disney Company. And and uh, Paul, you made a, a, an interesting point about you know the 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 importance of not stifling creativity. And Cameron, I want to circle back to this part in the memo where he's talking about those monthly creative meetings. And you said, you know, here, here you've got all of these executives that are now going to be around the table. And there was a, there was a rumor, there was a story at one point where one of these meetings, uh, Kevin Feige said some things about his plans for Phase 4. And, you know, they're talking specifically about uh, Ironheart. And and the rumor is the the report is that Feige, that uh, looked at Feige and says why are you why are you going to use Ironheart as a focus because her books aren't selling, like like JPEG is looking at all of the the nuts and bolts and the numbers of things, and like you say you have got this environment here now you've got the room where you've got all of these executives who are actually looking at each other and reacting and bouncing off of each other, does this have the potential? Of being creative synergy? We're all going to bounce off of each other and help each other and work at each other? Or is this going to be kind of the red wedding at some point where everybody is, everybody is, is out for themselves and, and stabbing everybody else in the back? Because this could go
1: sideways. It's going to go both. And I actually, personally, I think that's a good thing. They needed a red wedding type of fear because you had, in my opinion, you had all of these fiefdoms inside of Disney under the IGA regime that just did whatever the hell they wanted. And he's like, he's off doing press conferences and looking good and hanging out with stars. And, and the company's in bad financial shape with a lot of debt and the audience is not reacting to a lot of this stuff. It was reacting very poorly to it. So I think you need that red wedding fear. Uh, and, you know, Again, that rumor was that that incident that you're describing happened in an actual board meeting with the with with Iger and the other board members sitting there, and that you know Feige was doing a sort of annual plan, and then and to his surprise, Chapek, who was the new CEO, who he thought was just going to be this shadow of Iger, uh, starts questioning him in front of the board, which I'm sure is quite embarrassing because you know he has the numbers in front of him, uh, and I think that was a very specific instance that might have even inspired this. He's like, well, you know, Feige, according to the rumor, sort of you know, bullcrapped his way through it, but it wasn't a very great answer because he couldn't come up with a good answer why a comic that isn't selling should become more important than Iron Man and bring Tony Stark back somehow, right? Uh, And so he didn't really have a good answer for that, except that he wanted to promote this character. And the way Disney had been run at that time is I want to promote Captain Marvel. Let me do it. And I was like, sure, sounds good. I mean, even though she doesn't quite fit into the rest of what we've done with the MCU, let me do it, right? And so uh, it's that's a culture that's changed. And I think... There's gonna be pain in this, but I think it's a necessary pain because I, as a, as a consumer, don't like what Disney's been producing a lot. Certainly not in the Lucasfilm world and not in the MCU world recently. I don't like it. And uh, I don't think it's, it, it reflects the quality of what they're capable of. And that, I think they need to have that kind of internal competition. And we all know how ruthless the industry is and ruthless Disney, part, when I was hired at Disney, my lawyer called me. My lawyer called me and said, hey, I just wanna wish you good luck. It's a really dangerous place. <laughs> It's a very Machiavellian place. And uh, the very first day that I showed up on Tron Uprising, after setting my – I was a head writer, setting my writer's room together, pitching. The executives our preliminary ideas. At the end of the day, one of the executives said, hey, I want to talk to you. Come come into my office. And we went in. She closed the door, and she said, you come across as a very honest, straightforward, straight shooter sort of guy. That's not going to help you here. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, she said that to my face. She said, that's not going to help you. She said, already in the the first day you're here, people are saying – so this guy's trying the nice guy angle. So what's his real angle, right? right. <laughs> and that was the, cur- I've, I've been in Machiavelli and places, borders, Paramount. I've never had that conversation. It's like, Well, we, you can
3: be a straight shooter here, Cameron. Okay. Well, that's what
1: we're we're having. We're having a good conversation, which is what I hope. Wait, I got to check with Jason.
2: No, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) No, but
1: but This is the conversation where everyone's (laughs) presenting their point of view. Some of it matches up. Some of it's like, well, I don't agree with that. That's what you actually need in, 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 in a corporate environment. You need it. Yep.
2: Well, and, and the other part of that too is, you know, I, I would think, you know, where you know this whole thing about you know the the analogy of sharpening iron you know you're you're going after each other and challenging each other's ideas in the hopes that you make those ideas better and you get something that can be put out into the world that people are going to enjoy that will be financially successful and it won't be something that you just dump onto Disney Plus like they just did with uh, uh the the red panda the, the turning red Pixar thing it really feels like Pixar is getting the short end of the stick on all of this stuff, and the focus on the fans is is all nice and well and good, and you can say that till the cows come home, but the proof's in the pudding, right? How how long do we give it before we see measurable results that we can sit there and say, okay, the memo says this, we've had this much time. How, how does it how does it measure up? How much time do we give him, knowing that he's got at least a year, just a little over a year before his contract's up for renewal, how much time do we give him to to see if he's actually turning the ship around?
0: Well, Jason, who, who is the we? I mean, it's... it's, it's Well, it's, yeah, it's, that's... If, if his boss is... His, his boss will look right now at possible successors, you know? You know, well,
1: if- uh, but but I, that's the thing is I would suggest that he's safe because I think he's Susan Arnold's guy. Yep. I think Arnold pushed him, this guy in place. And But the reason that the date was revealed, which is very strange, that the date of his contract renewal is next year, February 28th. Uh, I never heard that date before. And that was obviously revealed publicly by Disney for the first time uh, here now. And that's. You you sure, that wasn't
0: that. leaked out, Cameron. That wasn't leaked. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I mean, I don't know that <laughs> strategically. Great, I think this Strate- memo- strategic was strategically trade. leaked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strategically but leaked. it was done on purpose, and I think Chapek leaked it. Right, I don't think it was his enemies that leaked it because right. what it does is that he's leaking out. It's like I got a year here, guys, so please don't mind me if I start firing. Because right. I got a year to fix it, and this. often I mean, you, you know, got the- one year to get it on track by the date that's been released. So he's right. like, "I'm sorry that I have to be really cruel, and I have to let go of this person that you really wanted in your team that isn't performing." I got a year here, guys, to prove myself. Sorry, yeah. often go. the
3: announcement is a bigger deal than the actual meetings.
0: Right?
3: Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, here's the memo. This is a big deal. We're all talking about it. Six months from now, are we going to be talking about? It? I, I I don't know. Will we be privy to what's going on in those meetings? Who knows? Will we <laughs> probably, see? The, probably not. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, but we may see, like, it, how long is the lag between those meetings? And will we see it reflected in the content or right. the movies or, you know, whatever piece of content will come out? And where will we see those results? So what, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on.
2: Well, and you look at uh, Ms. Marvel, for example, which, you know, has been in the can. And has had a release date and now is going back for what we're hearing are extensive reshoots. And anytime we hear, you know, reshoots, okay, they're, you know, they're throwing some cameos in, they're doing a couple of scenes to kind of beef up story or whatever. But when we hear extensive reshoots, and I'm hearing as much of a third, I don't know how many days they're going out and how many weeks they're going to be shooting. But the impression that I get, and from other people who have been discussing this. They're talking about major changes to that series. And the timing of it has me wondering if this is part of CPEG looking at things and going, This doesn't work, fix it. You know, here's the Hawkeye numbers, here are the Loki numbers, here's the you know, here's what Black Widow did on Disney Plus. We have to do better fix this. And, you know, the lackluster response to Book of Boba Fett doesn't help either because there are a lot of people that are disappointed in that. I personally, I'm still waiting for Boba Fett to show up because to me, I haven't seen the third episode yet, but these first two episodes of the show are boring. And there are a lot of people that are feeling that way and, and somebody's going to be feeling the heat from that.
0: So when you you, you waiting until the fourth or fifth episode for it get exciting?
1: <laughs> well, that's what happened on Hawkeye, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Haley Steinfeld, so I I had resubscribed to Disney Plus. I left after the Miss Corral thing. I thought it was very disgraceful how it was handled, and I left. And uh, and but I came back. I wanted to check out Hawkeye, and I was like, "What is this? How do you have Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld? Who I think is going to win an Oscar someday." what is this garbage or right? what is this crap? Right. And, uh, and then finally gets better, like in the final two episodes. Like, really. And I stuck around, but I was why? what am I watching here? But yes. because you're but, loyal.
0: That's why. And they're counting. And think about on it that too, well.
1: the,
3: the, it's both a, a blessing and a curse to have all these outlets, right? You have Disney plus the movie theaters around the world. You have all these different avenues. You have to feed that monster. You have to have content. So there's gotta be, and, and that's what these companies do. I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad thing, but there is a lot of pressure to produce, produce, produce content. And so much of it, it's not like you're just releasing 10 movies a year. This is like unlimited bandwidth, right. like we've never seen before. And you have to feed that. Uh, it, it's a beast and you have to feed the beast with all this content. So it's not all gonna be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. You hope for that, but man, on the on the creative side, and again, I'm not on that side, I'm not that creative. But uh, I think it's gotta be just daunting and a lot of pressure. And then you're gonna be in a meeting with your boss every month, you know, literally uh, telling you what's right, what's not, what they want. So, wow, that's a, and you know, everyone's compensated for all their work, but it still has to be an incredible challenge versus even 10 years ago. And of course, certainly 50 years ago when things were much different.
1: Uh, I want to refer to what you initially brought up, Jason, with regard to Ms. Marvel, because I've written about it extensively on my Patreon. I actually wrote sort of a scoop back in November that this was coming uh, because I wrote in November that this is going to be massively reshot based on friends of mine that 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 know the show very well. You know, it's a show that I have emotional connection to. It's about a Pakistani Muslim superhero. Guess what? I'm a Pakistani Muslim guy. Right. And I want that thing to succeed. Uh, And the word I've gotten from my friends who work on the show is that it's a complete disaster. It's been a disaster for a year because they are going back to the memo from uh, or the article from Substack, you know, from Barry Weiss. It's because they didn't care enough to actually care about the story. It's just we got to get a bunch of Pakistani people involved. So some of the episodes are being directed by Pakistani documentary filmmakers who've never made a single episode of television or drama ever. And so I have friends of mine who are award-winning documentary filmmakers. It's a very different craft to go into dramatic storytelling. But because of identity issues, they're like, well, we got to have, you know, we got to make sure the right faces are behind the camera. It's right in front of the camera. They're putting in all kinds of people for that political, you know, clout that are not achieving what they wanted. And so the end result was this thing's been in the can. My friends work on the show. This thing's been in the can since like February of last year. It's been in the can. And they couldn't release it. They're like, This thing is garbage, because they didn't they didn't know what they were because they were so busy touting in the news that we've got Muslims involved and Pakistanis involved. They didn't bother to do a story. They didn't care about that at all. And uh, and so now they've got this desperate crisis here where they've got this thing they've poured a lot of money into that people are waiting for. They got to fix it now. And had they approached it properly from the right from the beginning, they wouldn't have this problem. And I have a personal thing because when the show was initially announced a few years ago. My agents put me up for it because like hey, it's a show about a Pakistani Muslim superhero. Here's our Pakistani Muslim client who's been working in television for 20 years. Why, why don't you consider him for the show? And, the, and this was the feedback. It's like, oh, we, we know, Cameron. Thank you for the submission. They had no interest in even meeting me because they had already selected a young Pakistani woman, 28 years old, with no credits at all.
0: Who represents modern day whatever. Modern yeah. day sensibility.
1: Yeah. She literally had one hour of comedy credit in Britain and they brought her in, and my friends worked on the show. She was the she was essentially sitting there while the while those executives from Marvel said, "This is what we're going to do this is what we're going to," do. and she was there as the fake CEO of the company, right? And that's shameful because had they brought in someone like myself, and I'm not the only one, uh, but had they brought in someone like myself, I would actually said, "Let's make a good story here." Said they brought in someone they could control who would be good for their PR. How much money was spent on this nonsense, and now they have to reshoot it? Yeah. But this is the problem from the beginning because they only cared about. Identity and PR purposes, which for me on this show is very hurtful. They could have done a good job.
2: Well, and and the other part of that you mentioned, you mentioned Gina Carano and, you know, the the situation there politically driven, uh, at least from the outside looking in. And now you've got this article over here on Inside the Magic, her her movie that she did with Richard Dreyfuss, um, Daughter of the Wolf. Apparently is right now sitting at something like the the number three, uh, number three most watched movie on Amazon Prime. It's blowing up, whether it's a good movie or not. I mean, suddenly, suddenly Gina Carano is a thing again. And how much, how much does Chapek and the creative teams look at something like this? We're going to give the fans what they want. They want Gina Carano to come back you know, are are we seeing a shift maybe that like you're talking about we're not going to focus on the identity of our cast and crew so much as we got we've got to we've got to set story first story 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 and give the fans what they want i mean he's got to be looking at the success of ghostbusters afterlife of no way home um, i'm here i'm, I'm seeing uh, positive buzz about scream being another one of those things that's kind of meta-textual as far as the commentary on Hollywood and remakes and reboots and stuff. I've seen some mentions that it's doing kind of a similar thing to what Matrix 4 did. So are we finally finally turning a corner?
0: Don't don't, don't assume that. <laughs> you know, don't forget, you know, right at the height of the Me Too movement, they came out with Ocean's 8. Which I mean, though, Oh, it's a whole woman's cast. It's a horrible movie. It didn't didn't do very well. And now there's a new one coming out with um, a bunch of celebrities as a b- bunch of bunch of um, female celebrities who are who are going to be spies. You know, yeah, almost like Expendables, but it, the fe- the female version of Expendables. You know, they're still trying. I don't know if this is going to be good or bad. I'm hoping the script is good. I'm hoping it's an engaging movie. And, and the they,
3: thing is, if it's good, I don't care. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Like, if it's
3: if it has an all, if a movie has an all female cast, it's great. It is, it's good. If awesome. It's good. Yeah. Then I'm all in. That's for. And if if you think about it, if if you're a, a moviegoer or a fan, ultimately you're going to sit down and emotionally connect or not connect right. with that content or that. Right. I hate to call it content, Jason. And I talked about this, <laughs> but with the, with the movie or the TV show or the characters, and so, you know, whatever the motivation is, at the end of the day. I think quality wins, right? Quality will
0: always win, and that's 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 what the studios don't understand. They're trying to please everybody without, and 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 they give up on the quality because they think we have all the other factors in there. So let's just let's just throw it out there. And that's what and that that's a it's a big concern that sometimes they're they're going to worry more about the social atmosphere and the element and whether or not it satisfies. Every single, fits checks every single box off and the quality, listen, they'll just be happy. We have a woman running it and a transgender. And remember
3: too, stage. if nobody sees it, it's like the proverbial tree falling in the forest. Yep. It doesn't yep. make a sound. It won't have the impact that you're looking for. If nobody responds to that movie or TV show or whatever piece of content it is, if, if it doesn't resonate on in a real way, then it doesn't have the impact that we're that anyone is looking for or hoping for it.
1: but now all of you have circled around something i think that's very important which is that the, the the culture that i'm suggesting we're beginning to come out of it's still a process right uh of this sort of pathology of identity that we've been trapped in for about five years i think five to six years really is the that culture was being uh was being perpetuated by people who we're literally just being, not out of ideological commitment, but out of fear of being canceled and having public shaming and all of that, right? right? Uh, and so many of the decision makers in this process, and I'm going to sound like a snobby screenwriter because I kind of am, many of the decision makers in the process uh, are not creative people. They are people there that are there because they're good at business to some degree. They're certainly good at networking, and they're good at relationships, and, that, uh, and so they're there. So they don't have... It's like I described the analogy of musical chairs. That's what Hollywood executives' lives are like. That there's music playing, and the moment the music stops, you gotta have a chair. If you don't have a chair, you're out of the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I have seen screenwriter friends of mine not work for seven years and then have a massive hit and come back. I've known executives who got fired from a job, didn't find another one immediately, and they're gone forever. Right? Because there's no specific re- creative requirement that that's necessary for that job. And so creativity is not necessary. It's more about politics and social understanding and all that. So they're very tied into what they think the social environment is. But I would suggest that our social environment has been skewed and not properly representing where people are. And so we are at this place where it's getting to such an economic problem that I think you're beginning to have the rumblings of the beast saying, I need to be fed and you're feeding me Twinkies all the time. I need something that's real, that's going to satisfy me. and that is going to begin a process of change there's still going to be people who are we're seeing it right now in the trades every day there's something being announced you know we got a new you know it it, just now robert rodriguez is doing the 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 female zoro. i was like wasn't there a female zoro, the queen of swords 20 years ago i mean it's like not a new thing right Right. but they're all like this is the first time it's ever been done they're going to keep doing this crap for a while because they're not in tune with where the world is but i think over the course of this year that world is going to become clearer and clearer
2: let right. me let me pivot off of that for just here the last couple of minutes because uh, there have been a lot of people talking about how much the parks cost. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that we've seen here in the last few weeks is a cancellation of about fifty percent with regard to Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. And you know, I, who's going to spend four or five thousand dollars for two nights at this at this immersive Star Wars hotel? I mean. You have uh, you have people that are complaining. You know, a steak without any kind of sides cost me forty bucks or or a hundred and fifty or what? The the cost of going to the parks has risen way too high. How how much of this fan centric fans first? You know, yes, okay, the Hollywood stuff, the film and TV, we got to focus on story. But he's got this entire corporation now that. If this is how you're going to be, what does that mean for the parks? Are are we going to be slashing prices and try to get people back in? I mean, we're pandemic. Another and, hour, Jason. <laughs> for <that>? I mean,
3: <laughs> one and an hour. hour. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a whole, that's that's awesome. a whole that's show. That's a whole show.
2: But you know, it's that. You know, again, that goes back to okay, how do we? What? How long do we give it? And an, the general royal we? How long? How long is it going to take before we see? results that we can sit there and compare okay this is where you said you were going to go now here it is two months later three months later where are we at
0: well i think like cameron was alluding to the market ultimately will determine the audiences the stakeholders will ultimately decide the next few months whether tuning out or tuning in whether they like it or don't like it and you know as much as we try to avoid that and say the market can't we have to be socially acceptable we have to be politically correct the market will determine whether we should be or not and what needs and, and what needs to happen. And ultimately, that's what, You know, all the politicians will have to yield. They yield to the market, too, when they get elected, you know, so to speak. Yeah. So, you know, they, they they have to start. You know, they'll, they'll, People will start paying attention when money is on the line, when their careers are on the line. And you say, when when are we? How how long are we going to give? I think if nobody tunes in, you know, or if you well, I, I think you're manager.
3: exactly right. And I think the forty dollar steak or whatever it was, if people stop ordering that, they're going to get the message. Right.
1: And, and the problem, the one thing I'll say with regard to the... Oh, with, steak with, sounds with,
3: good right now. <laughs>
1: <because> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I love good steak. And uh, <laughs> there's very good halal and kosher steak in Los Angeles. Some <laughs> nice. uh, but, uh, but no, it's... Uh, the, the bigger problem, in some ways, It's the parks are a bigger problem than uh, the, the movies are and the television shows, because you can adjust that faster. You can go fix uh, Ms. Marvel over a month of reshoots, maybe. But parks is this massive investment of of money and time and effort so the stuff we're seeing now is the fruition of four or five years ago planning right Mm -hmm. and so now we've got to fix these parks let's say that this is not a hot air memo this is a real we're going to do something and then i'm sure tapec having come from that world knows that the economics of the parks aren't working uh and and the creative element of the parks aren't working uh and so if you really the memo is real then he's got to start but it's like well, that means that might be six years from now that we see some really good park rides, right? It might be because it takes time to refurbish all this stuff and figure it out. It, it, the parks, and that's why I think people, just focus on the parks, are going to be unhappy for a while. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh- I'll tell you, my, my daughter took her kids, her my my uh, three and a half and a one and a half year old to the park, no. to the parks uh, last week. They and the entire day, they got on three rides. If the kids weren't wearing masks, they, they Mickey wouldn't take a picture, and, this, and the princess wouldn't take pictures with them. I mean, I I, I think that's, what they're, that's what, they're going to, what they're going to remember when they get old and say, I'm not taking my kids.
2: Yeah. Well, in, in the chat, what about says they'll get the message when they go to business people select an alternative. That that uh, brings yeah. to mind here this post from Penguin Random House UK. More than 212 million print books were sold in 2021, the highest figure of the last decade. This this kind of thing here, and, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but this shows that people are looking for those alternatives. I'm right. stuck at home. I'm not going to go to the mm-hmm. movie theater. I'm going to pick up a book. I'm going to start reading exactly. more. And, and, and you know, I'm not buying buy.
1: online books, you know. Right. Yeah.
2: I'm a
3: big believer exactly. in real books. books. Yes. And also, we talked about this, I'm a huge vinyl album guy. And I have been for the last, well, my whole life, Mm -hmm. but I bought more albums over the past year than ever because I'm at home. I, you know, I have my old school speakers and all anyway, not to belabor it, but it does show that analog media, (laughs) if you will, has a lot of value right now. Physical books, vinyl albums, even cassette tapes are kind of making a comeback. Maybe the eight track will come back. You know, I've, I've got a stereo
2: in my garage that has an a track player in it. And I think yeah. it still works. I don't know.
1: <laughs> but, but that's also a reflection of something else on a more subtle level that reflects the fact that people are kind of not that excited about where the world is today. Yeah. Right. And that, that affects stories. Well, I drive my agents crazy because they keep asking me to write contemporary spec scripts that they can sell. And I keep giving them these historical pieces. And I find something I was like, Because the current world is not interesting to me. 2021, 2022 (laughs) is full of crazy people who are saying crazy things and not being normal human beings. And so I'd rather set something in the medieval era where people can be blunt and straightforward and stupid because that's what human beings are. right? I don't have to sugarcoat it. right? And that's why I'm writing historical pieces. And that's also going to reflect our storytelling. We're going to go back to older storytelling, which is more archetypal storytelling, which isn't about the problem with where we've been with this current young generation is they want human beings to get to perfection without a journey. They want us to be there right now. Right. Life is about the journey. The storytelling is about the journey. And that's the problem we saw in star Wars where Ray can do anything without any training. She can fly the millennium Falcon without any training. She can do anything. can fight with the lightsaber without any training because that generation wants it all right now. That's not life. Right. Life is learning through the mistakes, which on, (laughs) on like, Good things like Spider-Man, we see that, the new Spider-Man movie, it's about journey for all these characters. And right. then in the recent Ghostbusters, it's about journey. And all that's right. what the storytelling is, and we'll get back to it.
3: And let's just say there have been some great movies that have come out over the past few mm-hmm. months, mm-hmm. really. And Spider-Man is a great example because it's extraordinarily popular, but it's really good. Yeah. And, you know, and people are not gonna go see it five times and spend their hard-earned money if they didn't actually love it, right? right. So that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you find out what people actually like. And if the Scream movie does well this weekend,
1: shows that horror movies, people love seeing those in a movie theater. Well, and and the where we are with social progress with the new Scream trailer, and I'm gonna go see it. I love Scream as a franchise. now, all the brown people get killed because <laughs> the entire cast is people of color, except for the original, right? So like, now, all the brown people are going to get killed. <laughs> that's oh, so we're God. all equalized now. It's equity. <laughs> you
3: know, that first movie, the first screen movie opened with like 6.4 million in about 1415 theaters, something like that, right. and went on to earn 103 million. It did 16 times its opening. Yeah, that yeah. just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, that's just amazing. And the second and third films actually did really well. Second one did over 100 million. Third stream movie did uh, 89 million, but then the next one didn't do as well. It did like half that, but we'll see how this one does. What's All old right. is new again
2: on that note, we're going to head out Judah. I know you're, you're late to a meeting. My apologies there for keeping you too long, but before uh, a pleasure. we will, uh, Judah, we will do Harold PR is his company and uh, you can find Harold PR on Twitter uh judah engelmeyer thanks very much for being here paul the Garibedian is also on twitter he is the host of the mini screens big picture podcast and uh, cameron uh is uh on patreon because he's been banned everywhere else so you can find cameron over there on patreon uh gentlemen it's been good to have you we will definitely have to do this again uh very very soon because these are always fun conversations to have so what was, um... was great
3: jason thank you and cameron so nice to share the
1: the screen with you it, it's it's a delight it's a delight to have an engaged conversation it's a very important actually when the panelists don't always agree on everything because then we can actually get somewhere uh yeah. whereas when we get into these echo chambers which is what i've been criticizing disney for we're gonna hopefully disney's gonna get out of the echo chambers and so is you too
3: and yep. Jason, you are you should be running every meeting in every studio, <laughs> I think.
2: Well, I don't know. I, I don't know that I've got a big enough hammer for that one. So. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, thank you very much for being here. And thanks thank all you. of you for being here as well. Very lively chat. I appreciate all of your comments there. If you are not with us live, you can still give us a comment. Uh, you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com if you want to suggest a topic or a guest for us to invite. And in the meantime, don't forget, we do have other shows coming up on Saturday. Good morning, Multiverse, Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. And uh, that's going to do it for us today. I do appreciate all of you being here. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens. We'll circle back to this here in about a month or two and, and see see what uh, what Mr. Chapek's uh, scorecard is. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here. Remember, there are four lights.
0: This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.